13 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Zama. And this week we are going to be discussing, um, I guess, tons of sad things. But the question that we'll be addressing is, are we numb? And thinking about how American society responds to violence or doesn't respond to violence or just kind of kind of just responds to atrocities like things mm-hmm. that we should kind of be emotionally responsive to and like and we don't yeah but before we get there we'll start out on a somewhat positive or more positive note with our shout out segment yes so first I want to give a shout out to to Houston and the Harris County Jail which I mean You know, talking about folks in jail is always kind of sad, particularly talking about folks of color. But at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, 80 inmates, all dressed up in blue caps and gowns, graduated from Houston Community College. Each of them earned a certificate of completion for various high-demand vocational courses like warehousing and OSHA. Um, The educational program provided um, by HCC inside the Harris County Jail are voluntary. Admission in the program is competitive and available to pretrial detainees who must pass a trio of tests. The materials are paid for by an inmate's commissary and HCC itself. Graduates of the program have access to HCC services like job placement and continued education, which is, I mean, awesome, I think, because I've been here, or I've heard that like the educational component has kind of been taken out of the jails and prisons over the last few decades. So I was very surprised by this. And the Harris County Sheriff Ed Gonzalez said, uh, "These are human beings. These are individuals that have skill, have a skill. While they're here, we try to make a difference so they can make a difference." And I think that's awesome. I mean, there were a lot, in this article there were tons of quotes from some of the inmates who were saying that you know while they feel like you know they they their being there was warranted and they've done X, Y, and Z. They appreciate the opportunity to be able to better themselves and to have access to opportunities once they're released. So I think that, you know, more opportunities like this would decrease the recidivism rates and which basically is just the likelihood that they would get out, commit more crime because they aren't able to get a job or aren't able to, you know, get an education and then end up back in jail. So I think we need to really, you know, start implementing more programs like this in jails and in prisons so that, you know, people are able to be productive once they're out. Yes. And so our second shout out is to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. If you don't know who she is, she is a newcomer who beat Representative Joe Crowley in the New York primary. And what makes her so awesome is that she's Latina activist and member of the Democratic Socialists of America. So she's not your typical Democrat. And she won over the voters in the minority-majority district. I think it's the Bronx and Queens. Even as Crowley, uh, the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House and said to be taking over Nancy Pelosi's spot, outraised her by a 10-to-1 margin. What's also really significant is that this was the first time in 14 years that a member of his own party had attempted to unseat him. Mm -hmm. I think she even said, like, there hadn't been an election in that many years because no one had ever really ran against him. And so... What's, uh, what I find incredible is she didn't use any corporate lobby money and proves that grassroots organizations can work. And so she cred- I mean, I saw the video where she found out she won and like she was genuinely surprised she won. 
And so as soon as she saw that she, she realized that she won, the first thing she did was she uh, thanked everyone in who voted for her. Mm-hmm. And I remember like following her tweets and it said that she said that, you know, there was 20 minutes left until polling closed. And she said that she encountered two men of color who told her that they voted for her. And she emphasized that, you know, statistics and a lot of research showed her that she should not be wait quote unquote wasting her resources on people who were more more likely not most likely not to vote during a midterm but that's what actually got her her win and so there's a hashtag that's called rise to the ocasio which is kind of like a play off a uh, ocasion uh, in spanish which means or in english meaning occasion so it's kind of like rise to the occasion rise to the ocasio because that's her last name and so just really and she's 28 and so she's one of those people that makes you feel like really inspired but makes you feel like shit because you know <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 28 and I'm like oh my god like we're the yeah. same age and she's like doing big things and so but I love being able to have people who can inspire you and challenge you and make you feel like you know what I can do this too and so definite big shout out to Alexandria definitely a you know, we need more people like her who speak for the community and who come for the community. And hopefully this is a, a shift to a new movement where people who are tired of having other people who don't share their experiences make decisions for them. And so shout out to her, shout out to New York, and let's yeah. hopefully keep that momentum going. Yeah, I think one thing that I think is super interesting about that is that people the the fact that people are saying like don't waste your money on people that are not likely to vote yeah and i think that one thing that we're kind of taking for granted is that people are not voting because they are not inspired to vote by the people mm. running so yeah. it's like if i you know i'm not i don't have faith in you as a person so i'm not going to well one i guess if we saw in the instance of bernie sanders like they felt like they waste you know like wasting yeah. their vote or whatever but if you put someone out there put someone on the ballot that people can get behind they will get behind them yeah yeah so yeah hopefully we'll see more of that happening more young people kind of just you know i mean it's a risk but you know just go for it what do you have to lose yes definitely okay so now we'll transition into our in the know segment okay so now we are transitioning into our in the know segment and first we are going to talk about double standards so former teacher tiffany eichler eichler um, was sentenced to 30 days in jail after admittedly having sex with three of her male high school students she has stated that the boys came on to her and so when i was watching this on cnn i was i mean i was taken aback by the sentence because i have seen you know, similar scenarios involving male teachers. And I mean, literally every other SVU episode is about, you know, a male something, some kind of authority figure taking advantage of like a teenage girl. And so why is it okay to give a woman 30 days for, you know, an equivalent kind of, I mean, three boys, like that's, she was just getting real loose out there. like. She just had no fear. But I'm wondering, like, if this 30-day sentence is evidence of a double standard, like, where we don't, like, we think that teenage boys are mature enough to consent, but that teenage girls aren't. 
mm-hmm. and like where that comes from and how we can how we can actually expect you know gender equality when we're doing things like this yeah and i'm wondering like if it would be different if it were a man like what do you think well i'm reading that her sentence includes 300 hours of community service and a $1,000 fine. And she's required to register as a sex offender for the rest of her life. And then her attorney argued that she has suffered humiliation and the loss of her career, so she doesn't need, she didn't need a longer sentence. I mean, it passed to me the, I mean, it says here that two of the boys were 18 and one was 17. So I guess, and then I don't know the age of consent in Ohio, because you know, sometimes it can be a little lower and also, the boys are 18 and 17 now. We don't that's know how long she's that's been sleeping true. with them. Yes, that's true. That's true. These could have legit been all her boyfriends that yeah. she's been sleeping with since they were freshmen. Yeah. No, I, I, I really do think that she would have gotten more heat, not only more heat from the press probably, but more a harsher sentence if she was male. But I also am just kind of, like, I'm so confused at how sentencing works because, like, you can get, like, more time in jail for, what, like, stealing? Like, I just... Having weed? Yes, yeah, I'm just kind of like, wait, how is that, like, she had sex with three, one of them is underage, 30 days a month in jail when people have like longer for like tickets and having a suspended license like I just I like a DUI I just don't understand I I don't know I can't figure out how we decide these sentences but I do think that if she were a male teacher and it was three female students they would be like this is a pedophile this is a pat a serial rapist Yes, they'd yeah. be like, he's disgusting. Yeah. Like, th- lock him up and throw away the key. Our poor children. He's yeah. deflowered our poor girls. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I, it's just, and I mean, even like this article that I'm reading says, oh, she was married. <gasps> I know. I wonder where her husband is. Oh. Oh my gosh. I wonder how he feels that she preferred 17 year olds over him. That's so sad. <laughs> no. It says, look, uh, like the headlines I was read said, like, she it had sex with three pupils, including romping with one boy in her office. I just feel like were this a male teacher, we wouldn't be sexualized. What did in her office? Like, in the oh, classroom? Yeah, apparently she had sex at the school. Oh, Like, one wow. of the encounters happened at school. But just the way that they're even, the headline says romping is, like, like this is so sexualized and so like glamorized and i just if she were a male teacher we wouldn't be this is not the spin that they would be taking mm-hmm. so I, I do i do think this is a double standard i think that she benefited for being a woman and if this was a man and this even if this was a man and the students were met were boys like yeah. it would still yeah. be yeah, really exactly. harshly looked at. So yeah, I so think, it's literally yeah. just the fact that she's a woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if we... I don't know how much science there is to back this up or, like, how much research has... rigorous, like, research has been done, but, you know, it has been argued that molestation is cyclical, you mm. know? Is that, like, people that are molested, people that are raped, people that, you know, all of these different things they tend to be those same people that do that to other folks yeah. as well. So if we're thinking about how these little boys are going to grow up and 
you know, the way that they'll approach, you know, their, I don't know, the way that they'll approach sex in the future. You know, we have we have to take things like this into consideration. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a double standard. I think that, you know, Ebony and I are all about gender equality, and we all, and being gender equality, we also call out whenever we feel that, even if it benefits in this in this situation, it benefited her. Yes. That's I would argue that that's not equal, and that. I mean, you and I were talking about how even beyond how this is perceived in the criminal justice system, just how it's perceived by the public, like, those boys are probably viewed as, like, accomplishing something good, and she's, uh, whereas a girl would be viewed as, like, being tainted and being uh, broken and being, like destroyed and I just don't see that same narrative for these boys so I think it's double standards all around double standards probably for the victims double standard for the perpetrator and double standard in how this story is even being presented okay so yeah so speaking of double standards yes so recently in social media and on CNN and on 45's Twitter feed if you haven't been paying attention so if you don't know who Maxine Waters is she has been a very vocal woman she is known for like I mean I I have a lot of good quotes that she says she has no problem being critical no problem in calling out the president no problem calling out his administration and so she got what i would call scolded by republicans and democrats because she's a democrat and she got kind of like rebuked by her own party including nancy pelosi and chuck schumer to apologize for rebuking calls of quote unquote civility and urging people to confront those who work for 45 and tell them how they feel about the immigration policy. So at a rally, she basically told people in response to, if you had heard some of his cabinet members being heckled in public, so Sarah Sanders was refused service at a restaurant, the Homeland Security Secretary, she was like, kind of like booed out of a Mexican restaurant and so she was just kind of saying that you know if you see them out in public then feel free to push back and tell them how you feel about this immigration policy so she said let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up and if you see anyone from that cabinet in a restaurant in a department store at a gasoline station you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them that they're not welcome anymore anywhere we've got to get the children connected to their parents so she's saying that like this is a way we can pressure the administration to deal with the about 2,000 children who have been separated from their parents and haven't been reunited and so in other words she told them to do on to the Trump administration as they have done unto others and then in terms of talking about civility she said if you want to talk about civility so this is her response to people telling her she should not she should support talks of civility and not tell people not to be civil you start with the president of the united states and you implore him not to continue to promote violence not to continue to provoke divisiveness and then i think he would be a better example and people would follow a better example 
rather than get trapped into what he's advocating, which is pure violence. So, Ebony, do you think that this is a double standard that uh, the president kind of gets praised and told, like, this is who he is, this is why people voted for him, this is his character, and when uh, Representative Maxine Waters does it, people tell her she's being out of line and she needs to apologize. Yes. Yes, I think (laughs) this is a double standard, and I think that that's, it's very patronizing, and I think that, um, and sexist, Mm. and if we're talking about intersectionality, racist, Mm -hmm. because I think that Donald Trump has been given so much leeway in terms of the way that he talks about people and the way that he incites violence. So if you can recall during his campaign, he encouraged his base to use the Second Amendment against Hillary Clinton simply because he felt like she was potentially infringing upon their gun rights or their rights to um, bear arms or whatever. And then also recall that he encouraged his rally attendees to use violence against a Latino reporter. And there were also um, countless other instances during his campaign where he encouraged his base to abuse liberals and peaceful protesters, told them to um, punch people in the face. You know, so, I mean, plenty of his, I mean, now it's easy to say, right? So there are people that, like some of his administrators saying, oh yeah, I wish he hadn't said that. That was also wrong. But are you asking him to apologize? Yeah. No, you're not. You know, because it's perfectly fine for a wealthy white man to encourage people to be violent. And and also, Angela Rye was saying that those words were taken out of context. Yeah. You know that Maxine Waters was not saying be violent. No. No, she was just saying don't just take this lying down. Yeah. You know, speak up. Yeah. So suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, the black woman, she's sicking liberals on us. Like, what? Yeah, no, when she meant push back, she meant, like, yeah. push back, know, like, speaking, <laughs> not, like, literally push back. And, like, at a Maxine Waters speech, never have I heard that someone punch someone. Yeah. Whereas at a Trump rally, we have heard that his, someone had been punched. And I think if, I just, I feel like this is a huge double standard for exactly the reasons that you pointed out. One, that... I think that the Republic, a lot of people in the Republican Party are never, ever, ever going to turn their back on the president and never going to call him out on what he says. Like, he could literally be shooting people in the street and people will just say, like, I don't know, I, 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 they'll find a way to spin it, but uh, that he loves America. I feel like it's also sexist because their administration is sexist. Um, he does a lot. I, I feel like sometimes it is okay for men to be more aggressive and assertive and to say certain things and it is not okay for women to say certain things and then I do even though people are claiming that has nothing to do with race and people who claim it has nothing to do with race are usually white people and this is not to say that all white people are equally unaware of how the role that race plays but if you are white in this country you do not experience anything the same as people who are racial ethnic minorities so for a lot of them a lot of the experiences don't have any they don't see how their 
They don't have anything to do with race because white, if you plug, if you listened to our episode last week, Mm -hmm. we talk about whiteness and how it's viewed sometimes as a default and it's viewed as a normative and it's viewed as just kind of like the reference. And so if your life has been the normative referent group, then everything just seems like this is the way that it is. And so for us, people of color who have not experienced the same experience, we definitely see the role that race plays. And so I think for people of color, it is easier for us to pick on, to pick up on how this is, this has a lot to do with her race. And the fact that she is a black woman saying something and standing, I mean, because she's literally saying I mean, she's not even saying the same thing that 45 says because 45, like literally, like you said, kind of urged people to use violence, whereas she's saying, call them out. So I think this is a huge double standard. I think that this kind of highlights the great divide in this country, which is that there is not one America. There are different Americas. There is an America that certain people live in that align with Trump and his base that will never be impacted personally by his policies. And then there is an America where it's all of all the rest of us. And it's not just people of color. It's people in the LGBT community. It's people who have religious, who are part of religious minorities. It's in some cases women in terms of reproductive issues. And so we, we just don't share, we're not living the same experience. And so this is definitely a, a double standard. and. I just, it's just so frustrating and it kind of creates this feeling of what we're going to talk about in our main discussion of like just feeling so overwhelmed with this constant just helplessness of seeing things that don't make sense and seeing things that just don't, don't align with what I believe in and what I, I want for this country to be. And what the country claims that it believes in. Yeah, yeah. And then I, what you and I were talking about before we started this recording is just kind of like the insult and the patronizing that we're so, like, we're not aware of what's really happening. Yeah, and it's like telling you to your face, yeah. like, this is not happening. Yeah. What is literally yes. happening behind their back? Yeah. Like, they're standing in front of this burning house, and they're like, the house is not burning. Yeah, like, like, you- like uh, the president has never incited violence. Cute clip of president inciting my. Well, that was bad, but when has he you done it as a president? Cute like, clip of Obama <laughs> had. Imagine if Obama had urged that Trump apologize for you know all the things that he said about Obama's base and all that stuff. Could you imagine it? No, no. you could not imagine it because white men have the ability to do that very same thing. But if you are non-white, if you are if you are non-white and not a man. Mm-hmm. You are told to apologize because that's what women are supposed to do. Women mm-hmm. are women are empaths. They're supposed to be apologetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're supposed to take orders from white men. Yes. Like, no. What? I just I just find it so. And to me, what was more disheartening was that her own party members like turned yeah. their back, which just proves to show like it you it, you can't you you can't try like we live in different different uh, we experience different americas so chuck schumer and nancy pelosi yes they are democrats but they are also white people and they will not be personally affected in the same way that maxine waters will be affected by the things that trump says or the things that have happened in this country and i think like even white people themselves would be aware and say okay historically yes our ancestors have had different experiences but i just 
it's just so frustrating that there's like words, facts, videos, evidence, all these things. Like when when has not someone said like, hey, maybe the president should apologize for say we can grab them by the pussy. Maybe we should apologize for say making fun of people with mental disabilities. Maybe you should apologize for saying that people from some African countries come from shithole countries. Like maybe he should like the list goes on and on. And then he goes and calls Maxine Waters saying she has a low IQ. It I is sh- like for it is like you know there is literally evidence of Trump saying all of these things. Like he's literally on video saying these things, and he says, "Oh no, I didn't say that. Yeah. I said X, Y, and Z." Or, "Oh no, I said this, but what I meant was X, Y, and Z." Or like the stuff that he just said like a month ago about Mexicans. Oh no, I was talking specifically about MS thirteen. No, you weren't. You're literally on tape saying these things. Yeah. Has he ever? He's like, oh, or or when he lit um when he was on stage um he was speaking at some rally two weeks ago. And he said, uh, oh, where he called, who's the woman that he keeps calling from Nevada? Uh, from, is, it, is she from Nevada who he keeps calling Pocahontas? Oh, no, that's uh, Elizabeth Warren. Okay, yes. So she- he literally calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, right? And yeah. then he goes to a rally in Nevada and then calls her Pocahontas again. And is like, oh, yeah, they wanted me to apologize for that. And I apologized. And then in the next sentence, calls her Pocahontas again. Like, so it's, I mean, he just doesn't take it seriously. It's no. so condescending. It's so condescending. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll apologize because you said to apologize, but then I'm going to continue with the same behavior. Yeah. No, I, it's a huge double standard, I and I think that I, for a long time, I was like, you know, because of Michelle Obama was like, when they go low, you go high. Oh. But now I'm kind of like, that does not work <laughs> no. with I'm this administration. Charlamagne said, said, when they go low, I'm going to take it to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do. I just, and then like, we are not by any means saying that is like a race divide where automatically like you're here, you're there. We're just saying that in this world where Ebony and I are just personally impacted in the same way that Maxine Waters is impacted, I have found that going high does not get me anywhere with this particular administration. This so is limbo. Yeah, this and is literally if limbo. you are not part no, of those people who are part of this, who are Trump supporters or who are not critical of Trump, then like, you know... This isn't about you, but this is definitely, like, this fight is against those who are literally sitting there saying this president has done no wrong and she should apologize. Yeah, no, just think, just think. How low can you go? Can you take it to the floor? Because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's what we're going to do. No, uh, no so, being, the big, being the bigger person. Yeah, so two cases of double standard, one a little lighter than the other, well, at least for me, but definitely something to think about and something to set us up for our following conversation on just numbness and if we are just getting numb and what do we do as a result of this numbness. And so uh, this concludes our In the Know segment and stay tuned for our What's Being Slept On. So I strongly suggest that you wake the fuck up. Okay, so now we are um, going to transition into our What's Being Slept On segment where we are going to be answering the question, are we numb? Yes. Um, But first, we're going to 
you know, give some context and talk about what we mean by that. And yes. this is something that Zelma got from the dictionary. Yes. So there's two definitions, and the first is just the general definition of what does it of the of numbness. And so, basically, the dictionary, dictionary.com says that numbness is, means deprived of the power of sensation. And then I looked specifically for emotional numbness because I feel like, although deprived of the power of sensation does kind of summarize how it feels sometimes to be numb, I wanted to see what the definition of emotional numbness was. And so I found this on the internet as well. So it says, when you are emotionally numb, you may feel hollow or dead inside. You may feel that everything you are experiencing is not real, and you may feel disconnected from yourself and the people and the world around you. In a nutshell, being emotionally numb is similar to being a robot. And so in this section, we just wanted to talk about just, you know, numbness, what it means to be numb, how it feels. And I think it's just because now in week 13, there have been some topics and not just topics in this podcast, but I think like now just everyday life and under this administration where it just feels that there's so much negative things that sometimes you feel like you're over overwhelmed and there's just so much negative that it's like, I mean, is there going to be a a time where it just becomes too much and then you can't feel anything. So we just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. So that's the context to what we mean by when we're talking about numbness and emotional numbness. And so we're just going to kind of have a a conversation just about what we think that that means. Yeah, and I, I mean, I also don't think that sometimes I, I mean I, the way that I think about numbness is like it sounds so negative and I don't want to demonize it because I do think that it is or can be viewed as like a coping mechanism you know because like Zelma is saying this can all be so overwhelming and I do have moments where I get very overwhelmed and or days where it's just too much and I'm just like crying you know and it's like th- there's just too much go- too much negative energy everywhere i mean if you turn on the news every story is about you know um someone getting killed or you know like some suicide or you know some like just mistreatment of people or some kind of like unfortunate event there's there is very little positive that's being highlighted in the media these days um and so it's to me it's kind of it's understandable to get to a point where you know it's just like dang this is too much and you kind of just whether you're actively turning it off or it's your your body's natural kind of response to being emotionally overwhelmed to kind of shut off it's something that um, is understandable but that we still need to bring awareness to so that we recognize when we're when we are growing numb we recognize and kind of check ourselves on you know like okay well why am I not feeling why doesn't this make me sad You know, like, why doesn't a little kid being killed make me sad? That should make you sad. And I think that we also allow ourselves sometimes to be numb so that we don't feel implicated in some of the things that were happening and so that we don't feel guilty and so we don't feel compelled to do something about it. Because I do think that that should also be a a response, is that 
you know, okay, so this is this is this is wrong with that's happening, right? And you have to feel that, and you have to allow yourself to feel that in order for you to respond and in order for you to be called into action. You know, even if it's not you going out and standing in the street and protesting, but you calling, you know, your local um I don't know, some kind of government official to to help do something about it. Um I think are acceptable reactions. And if there's no reaction, then it's probably because you are numb. Yes. I think that maybe starting in the 90s when, like, gaming became really popular and, you know, playing, like, PlayStation, Xbox, and all that stuff became really popular in, in um, video games like Grand Theft Auto. I remember when Grand Theft Auto yeah. came out and you were just saying all over the news that, like, oh, this is making kids more violent or, oh, this is desensitizing kids to violence. Um, those conversations are still happening. I don't think that they're as common. But, you know, even with, like, uh, um, what's that game that my brother plays? The, the like, military one? Call, Call of Duty. Duty. Yeah, so I've heard some conversation um, um, surrounding that video game about how this much exposure to violence um, can make you know, can have these impacts on, on kids. And so I was reading an article on Psychology Today, and is it Psychology Today or is it Psychology Now? I think there's two, there are two things. What was I looking at? Psychology Today. And, you know, they're basically, there was, this article is discussing how all of this violence portrayed in the media could be making us numb to violence, to, like, actual everyday violence. And um, so one of the things that they discussed is that the average American child will see 200,000 violent acts and witness 16,000 murders on TV by the time they're 18. So that in and of itself is scary. Mm -hmm. You know, because you can, sh you, I mean, parents, I'm assuming, probably do try to make some effort to shield their children you know because you you want to protect your child's innocence right but if your child is witnessing murder on television that has to be having some kind of effect on their psyche i don't really think that there's any way around that you know and so um they say that a 2009 study by brad bushman and craig anderson found that exposure to gratuitous violence in the media reduces the aid offered to people in pain. In one experiment, those who played violent games took longer to help an injured victim, rated a fight as less serious, and were less likely to hear the fight in comparison to participants who played nonviolent video games. Another experiment found similar results when participants watched a violent movie. So exposure to violence in the media numbs us to another's distress and can lead to the dismissal or not even noticing another's pain. So, kind of taking a step back, right? So there's a lot of this, um, a lot of studies out there that do say that um, playing these video games encourages um, people to be encourages violence in children or incites violence in children. And this study is saying that you know, moving us away from that argument. That maybe maybe these people themselves are not necessarily committing violent acts, but when they see violence being committed or they see someone in pain or in distress, they aren't, you know, they they don't feel compelled to go and help that person mm -hmm. because they're desensitized to it. They're desensitized to violence or to pain because they see it all the time in video games, all the time in the media. That it doesn't 
there's something off in their brains, you know, that maybe they don't necessarily have control over where they are triggered. Um, and so in this article, they go on to say, you know, so who is responsible? And basically they conclude everybody, you know, everybody's <laughs> responsible. Parents who don't inveigh against uh, children playing with guns, those in the media whose sole purpose is to increase profits, and so they're, you know, pr depicting all this violence on television. Artists who can't distinguish between the right to create and what is right to create. So, you know, all the, that goes for all these rappers that mm -hmm. are um, glorifying and um, promoting violence, even though a lot of times they don't commit the violence themselves. And then they're like, oh my God, it's not my job to be a role model for your child. Okay, fine. Gun enthusiasts who make a fetish of guns, an industry that makes billions uh, from selling guns to civilians, and a society that mythologizes gunslingers and gangsters. So it's like, you know, you might be thinking that you yourself aren't doing that much. Like, you yourself aren't doing, um, aren't doing all the work of promoting gun violence or whatever, but you could just be one small piece of a puzzle, you know? And so all of these things contribute. All of these things are bad, and all of these things are promoting violence in our society. And I think are you know at the core of why we are becoming so violent. So cultural change needs to take place. Um, cultural change does take place when people say enough is enough, and so we have to speak up. And evidence shows that we've had more than enough of violence. It's making us coarser, harsher, and less humane. So some of the events over the the past month. Um, that have kind of, you know, whether or not they're violent, they have been inhumane and we should have been triggered by them, but they kind of were in the media for a day and then, you know, it was kind of fleeting. You know, we aren't thinking about it anymore. So like the Santa Fe shooting, um, are we desensitized to school shootings at this mm -hmm. point? Do, are we not just completely disgusted by people who are killing kids? Um, the immigrant detention and family separation you know it's like that was all over the news over the last two weeks and now it's you know now we're on to i mean granted talking about maxine waters you know it, it's it sucks what they're doing to her but don't let them distract you from yeah. the fact that there are still more than a thousand kids who are separated from their parents a lot of those parents have been deported you think they have the funds to come back to the united states and fight for their children no, they do not. Um, XXXTentacion, murdered. Everybody was so distraught about it, you know, because apparently everybody's kid is his biggest fan. Um, and that we aren't talking about that anymore. Antoine Rose, murdered. Um, the Associated Protests, that isn't in the media, and those are still happening. Um, the officer who murdered him was charged with criminal homicide. We need to be pushing for him to be for him to be found guilty you know we need we need to we need to those conversations surrounding his murder need to persist junior the 15 year old killed in the bronx that video like i i don't know what possessed me like what in god's name possessed me to watch that video yeah i didn't know what it was until i saw yeah and i, I was saw like it and i was like i just didn't believe i was like there's i, I like, i'm really watching this yeah i just like i just didn't I'm really seeing this this like kid be it terrible. I couldn't. I I it, it was and terrible. I, I just I mean all the footage that has emerged like over the last week, you know, from the bodega and how they literally drug this kid by mm -hmm. his feet out of the store. Mm -hmm. 
and then killed him. And then also, I mean, the people standing around recording yes. and not doing anything. Yeah. So you are more pressed to get this on social media than you are to help this kid to survive. Yeah. Just standing by while he's while he's while he's one being stabbed and then also while he's bleeding out. Yeah. So like you're there for the actual act and then you're there for the aftermath and you're doing nothing. And then the cops just standing by, like this 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 oh my god. This like dying kid has to walk himself mm-hmm. to the hospital. So I'm imagining that he's walking down the street, passing cars, you know, passerbyers looking at him, doing nothing. All of these people that is numbness. Yeah. How can you just watch somebody dying and do nothing? Yeah. And then even in the the triple X Dentacion murder, there's lots of people who were just like, you know, he had been shot in his car and like so many people were just recording his dead body because at that point I'm pretty sure he was dead, but or like almost dead. Um, but they were just recording him and, and like, no one was like trying to do CPR. One person checked his pulse, but people were just on their phones recording it. And everybody wants to get this shit on Instagram live. Like, what is wrong with you? What is, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand how people, cause this is our generation, you know, like I was going to say young people, but like, this is us. Like. How do you, you, do you not understand that this person is not coming back? Yeah. This is not a movie. This is not fiction. Like, this is, this is real life. This person is gone. And you stood there and recorded it so that you could post it online. Yeah. And the fact that IG doesn't scrub it. Like, so many people Yeah, it's like they, they're implicated in this as well. So like, many people circulated it, and I just don't. I feel like if people reacted to these videos in a way that was like, I'm, I don't know, I, like I was looking at the GoFundMe page and you know they're, now it's at three hundred thousand dollars and so I feel like with which GoFundMe page? Uh oh, Junior's GoFundMe page for his family, um, and they asked for fifteen thousand and it's now at three hundred thousand. And I think a lot of why it's gotten a lot of recognition is because people see how fucked up it was. But I just don't think that you have to show the murder. I don't think that yeah, you have to yeah. show him, like, actually bleeding out. And then what makes me sick, too, is the fact that even beyond the people recording, like, in the security cameras, they show that he came back into the bodega and the people re- didn't even, after he had been stabbed, didn't even render him help. So even people yeah. even people who were like, how are people going to go like against gangs telling him to, to leave? Literally, you can see them hand them, signaling to, them to leave. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, yeah, people, I've been seeing people saying, well, what are they supposed to yeah, do? Yeah, they have what a knife. They? You know, yeah. and it's like, at what point do we get, at what point did we get to this point in society where we can see someone dying and we are more concerned about the shit in our store than we are about somebody literally bleeding out? Yeah. Like, this is the kid, and these are people that are supposed to be servicing the community. So you're in this community and you... I mean, I'm, I'm not 100... I don't know what these people's, like, ethnic background is, but my, based on my own, like... I don't know what it's like in, in the Bronx, and, like, maybe they have people from the community running those stores and all of this stuff, but where I'm from, that's not the case. You have outsiders that come in, 
that you know run the like local corner stores and stuff like that and don't feel any kind of connection or any kind of responsibility to the actual community they don't feel any kind of connection they're about protecting their merchandise and that was evident in this video and it's and even if, and if they are from the community that's even worse yeah now the mom said that they because he didn't he lived near there yeah so they probably so the knew mo- this no, kid no the mom said that they knew him and that that's why it because she went i saw a video where she went mm. back to the bodega and they called the police on her and the police were like okay you need to leave your trespassing and she was showing them a video of him like trying to get behind the counter of them pushing yeah, him out video, yeah. and she was like they knew him like they yeah. know so us then all that stuff is bs like because i been seeing so many people like well you you can't like you know um talking about business owners and how you know business owners shouldn't be held accountable like they're they're just you know regular humans protecting their business and all of this stuff and it's like no like they're trying to create this uh this uh separation or distance themselves from this child and act like they didn't know like oh there was so much there's so much going on we didn't know and it's like no if you know this kid and you know you first of all you should feel compelled to protect a child because you knew he was a kid yeah so at what point do we get do, do we not do we not feel urged to protect a child and why is it that you know black and brown kids don't get to be kids yeah like but once they're like 12 we see them as adults yeah like no you should be feeling like you need to protect them i don't i don't understand what adult adulthood means anymore i don't well, it's different. And then the, you know, the police shooting videos, the, like the Antoine Rose video, the, um, all the countless, so countless, disgusting. countless videos that we've seen of people being shot. And then to know that they either eventually died at the hospital or that that's where they died. And so I think with Antoine Rose, I was reading about the autopsy and they were saying he got shot in his, in his face in his arm and in his back and the shot in his back is what killed him and just thinking like and i remember like i saw the video too and even seeing the video you don't process like you just hear three shots and you're like oh shit it happened so fast like how do i register it they're just shooting at him but then reading the article and being like okay those three shots one shot was in his face one shot was in his arm and one shot killed him he died like it, and it, it and we just get so used to it and yeah. we just we just we, like we said we become numb and i don't know if it's like you know there is a point where as a person you can't handle too much so as a defense mechanism your body's response is to go numb and this has been evident in people who have been tortured and people who have been abused that after a while they have to go numb in order to um to just kind of survive but it's kind of like well that's a bad thing then what can we do how responsible can we be who is whose job is it is it instagram's job is it it's our job yeah it's just just, our job it's i mean and like they said it's everyone's responsibility so it's everyone's responsibility yeah there's no i mean we ultimately the same way that we talk about all these other atrocities that have happened in in different different eras right so we talk about the holocaust yeah we talk about slavery Mm -hmm. and we talk about not just the people that were committing the acts of violence but we talk about the the um the people that watched, right? Yeah. The observers, the people that knew that it was going on and didn't do anything. Yeah. That's how they're going to be talking about our generation. Yeah. They're going to be talking about this era in that way. Like, 
what about the people that were that that were there and did nothing that said nothing yeah that just allowed it to happen um and you know kind of maybe wagged their finger or shook their head but went on and lived their merry lives and acted like literally people are being gunned down in the street kids are being gunned down in the street parents children are being taken from them yeah and there's nothing they can do about it and nobody's being held accountable like these i mean we're shocked when we see that there are charges filed against an officer yeah that is surprising and then we're also still not hopeful that we're we're still feeling like there's a potential that he could be acquitted yeah because or like even apparently criminal homicide ranges from like first degree murder to involuntary manslaughter which even if he is convicted wouldn't he could get away with probation so it's just kind of like there's and i think that adds also to the numbness is feeling like there's what what outcome do you have even with the junior murder all those like seven people who were arranged they caught them like that yeah and you still don't feel like even seeing that they were arraigned seeing that they caught them being relieved that you know they were caught that people are holding the bodega accountable they're protesting not allowing them to open that councilmen are trying to, to to um revoke their permit you just kind of feel like that doesn't take away the yeah, awful feel- yeah and the awful feelings of like knowing that some no one helped him and being like fuck like would that happen to me like if i was my kid if, if it was me like because I, I kind of i know people who look like him my brothers like if he, they were ever in trouble would people really like just let him be murdered and yeah, not do anything do, yeah. about it and it's like you know i mean to go back to what to what psychology today said they legit did like an experiment and they found that people that you know this exposure to this violence makes people slower to help and that's exactly what you see yeah that's exactly what you see and then also it's exacerbated by the fact that we have social media and that you know people not only are they um they're they're not just turning their backs you know they are looking at it happening and are wanting to capture it wanting to be the first to post this how can you be so what you mean to tell me that you are running to somebody dying so that you can post it on your social media? What kind of person are you? Yeah. To want to post murder on your on your social media? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Like no. that there's literally something like something wrong with all of us. Yeah. No. And you know and yeah. I mean we we when it comes to when it comes to cops and when it comes to police, you know, we're like we give the police the benefit of the doubt. Well, not we, not us sitting here. <laughs> Plenty of people give police the benefit of the doubt, and it's and we assume that um, that that they're right in what they're doing, and that oh, somebody must have done something wrong. And even when we see it on tape, there's still that cognitive dissonance. Like oh, even though I see this person with their back turned, this child with their with their back turned, there must have been something yeah, that they did before we before the recording came on. There must have been something yeah, that we saw. Yeah. Right? And it's like, no, what you see is exactly what happened, and yet your, your brain is still doing the extra work of agreeing with, with all your preconceived notions. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And we also need to remember that what the Nazis did to the Jews was legal. Yeah. I mean, slavery was and legal. And these police are modern-day Nazis, and we are standing by, just allowing them to slaughter black kids with no types of repercussions. And it's like, you know, it doesn't, when we see cops beating on kids, because I see those videos often, and I think that that happens a lot more often, obviously, than they're killing kids. 
but those types of things start there they start there so we can't just be like oh gosh why is this cop punching this kid in the face while the kid has on handcuffs yeah and then just allowing it to allowing it to end there and it's like no that could have escalated yeah and it's not just white cops like the i saw a video of a black cop that Mm -hmm. punched a kid in the face and then i saw another video of a black cop that was harassing people on the street like stopping and frisking them and so it's just kind of like there we just we have to hold we just have to hold each other like this is not going to get better unless we do something like this we just obviously sharing videos of this doesn't move people to in the future stop it doesn't knowing that police officers wear body cams doesn't lower the count knowing that people have cell phones and can record it doesn't stop them on their own like they're literally caught on their own cameras in their cars yeah on people and they it does nothing no it does it did it doesn't it there's still like so many people that have been um killed even when they're when even when it's caught on video and social media has i think just exacerbated the problem of numbness and allowed us to be able to just watch junior's murder and then go see what ti said go see ti a video of ti cheating on his wife and then go yeah, see and it's like, just like it just all blends together yeah it does and you know i think I think that a lot of people, you know, especially when it comes to the cops, you know, we, there's so much that we can do and a lot of it are things that we don't do maybe because we don't know or we don't take it seriously, but we need to really take more seriously these midterm elections. Yes. Like, and we need to, if if you are dissatisfied, if you're in a, in a county and you're dissatisfied with, um, what's going on with your police department, you need to vote. Yes. In You need to register to vote way before November so that you yeah. don't get down to the last minute and are like, oh my God, I couldn't do it. Because maybe a lot of people don't know, but the district attorney is an elected, is an elected position. And so if you, if your district attorney is doing some BS and allowing these sheriffs to just run all over the place and kill people and all that stuff, vote. And make sure that they are they are people that actually care about the community, because that's important. And like I, I'm just I'm just at my wits end with these cops. Like golly, I just at my wits end with everybody. Like all those, I just couldn't believe that I was legit watching this video of this kid be stabbed by somebody recording upstairs. Like you mean to tell me you can't call nine one one on your phone because you want to record it first? No, the thing that like, got me was when that? he was. There were people what recording to him us in the street. I know. Or even just like physically, instead of putting you know recording, because I saw people like recording him in the street, and I was like, why can't you just like <sighs> physically help him get to the hospital or apply first or you know do first aid or call the cops on your phone as you're walking with this person to the hospital or give them a ride in your car if you see someone like like, or pointing out a police Mm -hmm. officer and it's just and like another thing i think that just highlights it it's you know it happened in the bronx and so it's just kind of like it even in your own community it's where you feel like these people would have your back you see that you yeah. can't really yeah. re- you what can't and it's it's scary to to think that you can't rely on people like just because there's people around doesn't mean they're going to help you and that, that you know scary. that's yeah that is scary that is so and scary. i feel like you know 
do we really have to wait till it happens to someone we know? It's the more when we're like, oh shit, that's fucked up. I just, I, I don't, I feel like our society is becoming more numb to violence. I don't think it's all video games. I think video games definitely have helped and contributed, but video games have been happening for a really long time. I think that there's yeah, no, just an I think overload. Yeah, I think it's things that you, um, that it, you know, that you internalize. So things that you, so witnessing violence on top of having access to guns, mm-hmm. on top of having access to like weapons, on top of there being social media and you potentially getting like applause, you know, yeah, or like likes. these like pseudo, yeah, these like pseudo accolades for being able to post it. You know, all of these, all of these things together ultimately culminate in, you know, this society full of, violence and numbness yeah and then for us feeling like still outraged about it then we just feel we start being like feeling numb that other people are numbed out being like damn that's really how it is people are really able to watch a murder and not do anything like it just it adds to the overload and like like ebony listed like those events we talked about were just were recent like that's not even an overview of the last year and this is not even what happens in our personal lives this is like what we see about people we don't know and then you add on top of that people who live in communities or people who live in uh, dynamics of people who live in family systems where there's more abuse where there's more mm-hmm. trauma where there's more um stress and so thinking like man a lot of people are really burdened and so i think that part what you sh- what we can do because we don't like just to i don't want to just like be negative and negative and negative without at least some sort of mm-hmm. like what can we do so for me it's like if you feel, if you see a video and you feel nothing, then go, like, do something about it. Like, that's a trigger for you to be like, whoa, I should be feeling more to that than I am. Um, and, like, you can be a person who, like, if something is happening, you see someone and you see people recording, you can say, like, hey, like, do something. Like, it's, this isn't, like, we, we I don't know, I feel like we need to, we need to hold people accountable. We need to not like things when they're, we need to not circulate murder videos. We need to not like them. We need to not subscribe to them. We need to not follow them. If people don't get rewarded for glamorizing someone's death, then they'll have less of an incentive to do so. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how we achieve this, but I think we just need to... We just need to understand and appreciate human life. Yeah. And va- like value it. Life yeah. in general. Like, I I mean, I think that we have just, we are um, so, we've distanced ourselves from other people to such an extent that we don't even, see, like, we don't even relate to them. We don't even relate mm-hmm. to their pain. You know, it's. Somehow we have convinced ourselves that like, oh, that that happened to that person will never happen to me or anyone I know. And so somehow somehow we do that and because we do that, I think it makes that pain unrelatable. And it's that lack of relation that ultimately results in like the devaluing of of life. You know, and I, I, because I think that if we actually took time to think about how this person dying is going to affect the people around them 
you know, the people who's, who did value them, whose life is gone, like, would we actually take the time to try to save them or try to do, try to, you know, I mean, you have to be willing to sacrifice likes on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Like, th- life is at least worth more than that. Yes. And so I... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel so badly for these people. I feel so badly for these people's parents, you know. And, it, I mean, still to those kids. Uh, and it's crazy to me that, like, even talking about the, you know, Santa Fe shooting, I, like, thought about, like, oh, you know, maybe this is old. Like, should I even should mm-hmm. I even mention this? And it's like, no, what? That is insane. That's something, that, is, that something can be old. Yeah, that deaths can be old. Yeah, that it's, like, old news. And it's like, no that's still very relevant there's still there are still parents that are there are still parents that are broken yeah i mean obviously like so it's like yeah i mean is a month ago too long to talk about it like no because it doesn't matter how many months go by like those people will not be healed now i mean for my volunteering i work with people who have um someone die through tra- tragic death and you know a lot sometimes they're murder sometimes they're um suicides and uh you know i there are people who've been coming to groups for five years and they it does the pain does not go away yeah. and like when i and for me hearing people in in my groups and stuff tell me about how much pain it is it helps me like humanize it and so yeah. whenever i heard about the junior murder i didn't see some kid just getting you know murdered i was like fully aware like i know ex- i know I've been there to see the aftermath of people losing a child due through violence, losing a child of that age due to violence. And it is honestly like, I'm not like hearing you just, when you hear a mother cry because her son died, I've never heard another sound like that in my life and don't think I ever will. And so that sound played in my mind and I was like, I saw him as a person. And I think that we just need to, we need to, connect with real people and not just the internet and if we have these real connections with people if we connect in a way that is more human then maybe that's going to combat combat some of this numbness and that's going to allow us to be able to react humanely and so because i'm really afraid for this next generation like this like we we you know we're already like you know teenagers some of us a lot of us adults by the time social media came around for these kids that are literally social media babies like what will they feel i know what will they like what will move them yeah we have to watch out for them we have to we have to remind them like what life is like prior to social media yeah like this is real life these are real lives that are lost and they're like i mean you're talking about five like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we could do. We have to do something because our, the world is just, the pace that we're going, Yeah. the purge is going to be real life. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, the the minimal you can do is when someone talks about someone's death, when someone talks about one of these things. When they're making light of it. When they make light of it, when they make jokes of it, when they laugh, when they make LOL comments, when they act like this wasn't a real person what you you can do is you can check them what you can do is you can comment on them what you can do is you can remind them that that is a person that was a person it doesn't matter 
all the bullshit aside, like, when something dies, we should give a shit about it. And yes. so... The, Human. It, yes. No, ma- no matter what. Like, we should care. Yeah. We have to care. So that's something small. Yeah, like, that's something small we can do that doesn't take too much energy. I know sometimes it's it's a really emotionally overwhelming to, like, always have to be, like, an in- like a justice warrior. But in your own networks on your social network you can just you know check someone call someone out and just be like this isn't okay report a video that you feel is insensitive you know unfollow pages that are making light of it making jokes memes like there's small things that can be done and for you yourself just remember like if you feel that you're just dismissing things really really fast and quickly just remind yourself that we don't want to be a society that doesn't give a shit. Uh, okay. So next week is July 4th, and we hope that you guys have whatever sort of America that you guys are living in. Celebrate something. If it's celebrating, you know, your family, if it's celebrating a loved one, if it's celebrating a relationship, you don't got to celebrate, you know, I know sometimes it's really hard to celebrate a country where you don't feel that they necessarily have your back. So next week, um, Ebony and I are going to be taking a break, but it will give you a chance to catch up Yeah, on our other 12 episodes, um, this one being 13. So as always, please feel free to contact us, email us at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram at wokeishpodcast, send us a DM, a comment, um, follow us on Twitter at wokeishpod. And uh, we look forward to you. If you have any questions or anything, feel free to uh, send them our way. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.